The shame of those who side you is not yours. The word sith chews on fur like a bucket of ice water, and at first his mind did not register what the older get of Fenris had just told him. Once Feld was a goody like himself, a thurge in the common tongue of the Garou, and an old one at that. She was at least sixty seasons, her wiry frame hinting at a long life of battle with the great foe, the Jormungandr, the Wyrm. Did you hear me, Cleoth Welp? She made the title choose on fur had been so proud of attaining sound like an insult. It clashed with the words she had spoken just before. Where is all that fur you're missing, stuffing those big ears of yours? Choose on fur had long since gotten used to jabs about his looks, but it still stung. But he would rather be dead than give anyone the satisfaction of seeing it on his face. Instead, he simply nodded, nervously licking his lips. I heard your word, Cody, he mumbled, more quietly than he had anticipated. I just don't understand. You are a product of sin in the eyes of our kind, Choose on Fur, she continued, interrupting him. But that is not your fault. Nor is it your duty to make up for it. In the eyes of Gaia and in the eyes of Great Fenris, you are just as much of a worthy chosen of our ancient father as I as your parents are. The old woman spat on the ground next to her, the flicker of the fire burning between them, momentarily shadowing her eyes. Were, as your parents were, they must work hard to earn his forgiveness. But I did not call you to my hut to speak of them. The Gordi returned her gaze to the fire crackling between them. Chuzon Fur could smell the rich scent of burning pine and evergreen needles in it. It produced quite a bit of smoke, but once felled seemed not bothered by it. I call you here because it is time you learn of your line, our line, and the history of our tribe. Chuzon Fur couldn't help but make a little sound. As a pup, he had always assumed that he would never be taken in by any tribe. It certainly hadn't looked that way but he had always considered himself Ghetto Fenris. It was, after all, his father's line. I will listen, Gordy, he whispered, settling down as close to her as he could while still keeping the fire between them. He wished dearly to sit next to her, but he knew she wouldn't allow it. You know I am good at it. Yes, you've a talent for listening, she muttered in return. Some would say eavesdropping. He sputtered at that, but she held up a hand. And it served you well. Had you not spent so much time listening when you should not, who knows if you and your pack would have succeeded? At that he frowned. The pack of the Northern Lights had rescued Glint, a fellow Garou, for sure, but they had failed in stopping the release of a powerful Wyrm spirit. It had broken free, and who knows when it would resurface again. I see doubt in your eyes, young Garou, once Feld mused, and he flinched. Did you not hear the tale of Uli Brightjaw, the lessons taught with his story? Of course he had heard it, so he merely swallowed his doubt for now, like Uli had swallowed his own heart. Good. I see you've a skill for remembering, too, not just for eavesdropping. Very well, I believe that this is enough pointless small talk. We will now begin your first lesson. 
The older woman dug some kind of seeds out from a small pouch tied to her side and tossed them into the flame, and immediately the overwhelming scent of blood reached Chu's on first nose, and he felt suddenly his temper rise, his heart beating faster as his heckles rose, quite on their own. Be still, Cleath, she commanded, and he followed her orders. I will tell you now of our tribe's ancient past. A skald ought to have done this. They have a gift with words that I lack, but I will have to do. It does not do to have others outside of our tribe learn of this, and there are no galliers of our tribe in this sept. You know, of course, the story of our creation. How Mother Gaia brought together and created sixteen children to serve as her warriors. These were the first pack, our forebears, and they were powerful all. Especially strong and fierce among them was great Fenris, who lived for battle and the hunt. Once Feld paused in her story and looked at Chu's on fur through the flames. He was the strongest of the sixteen, of course, and he was an Arun, because why shouldn't he be? You may have realized that our tribe is considered a bunch of violent, thick-headed oafs, and Great Fenris would have it no other way. But he was also honorable beyond reproach, and respected by all others. Yet Great Fenris would not take a mate. He would not couple with any who could not match his greatness. None matched his desires, and so he would go mateless and childless for many years, even as his siblings brought many new Garu into this world. Eventually, Great Fenris accepted that he would always be alone, deciding to ignore the pain and longing that resonated through him, and instead focused solely on battle. A dumb decision, but then, like I mentioned, we are a tribe of thick-headed oaths, just like our founder. But as the years went by, he would one day come to meet a woman warring against an army of Jotun, the giants who once lived in the mountains of our frozen homeland. We do not know what they were, for our ancestors never bothered to sit down and really think about it, but it would not be a bad guess to assume that they were Fomori. Suffice to say, Fenris was smitten with the woman, not the Fomori, and while we don't know who the Jotun were, even to these knights, we do know that Sigun, for that is the name of this warrior queen, wielded a two-headed axe in the battle which bathed in Jotun blood. Once Feld let out a long, pained sigh. <sighs> anyway, Great Fenris was so struck by her beauty and strength that he desired her as his mate, and for weeks after that he would search the lands for her, hoping that she would turn out to be honorable on top of beautiful and strong. Eventually, he would, but she was betrothed to a frost giant. Great Fenris swore to fight this giant if Sigun would marry him, should he win, and Sigun agreed to do so. 
Suffice to say, Fenris was successful, for otherwise we would not be here, young one. Great Fenris was a strong believer in tests, and I suppose that may have sprung from some insecurity about his own worthiness, who knows, but it is known that he tested Segan rigorously to ensure that she was worthy of bearing his children. And, yes, it apparently was not enough that she promised herself to him, a complete stranger, if he saved her from a marriage with a frost giant, or that she was a successful general and a mighty warrior. It makes one wonder who had promised her away to this giant in the first place. But of course Mother Sigyn would pass these tests, and the two would mate, producing three little children before they rejoined the other Garou, Great Fenris having finally the tribe he so long had sought. Segan was apparently also not human, but a Vanir, one of the two lines of gods of the Norse, so I suppose we have divine blood in us as well. The three sons that Segan blessed Fenris with were Robjörn, Garm, and Frode. A great warrior, an unrivaled scald, and a wise and just leader. It's pretty clear which of those three grew up to be the leader of the pack, so to speak, and presumably he also took after his father more than the other two might have. Fenris, Sigyn, and their children would travel south, leaving once more for the lands where humans live, and his kind had been tasked with keeping the balance. And there his brood took mates of their own, and slowly the get of Fenris would become a tribe of its own. They too partook in the Impergium, the calling of humanity to keep them controlled. While initially our tribe may have disapproved of this way of containing humanity, because who would want to seek a mate amongst housebroken, weak-willed humans, Doubtlessly enough were fine with this that it eventually became accepted amongst the Get as well. Naturally, this means that we carry the blame, as every other tribe, for the state the world is in now, and for shirking our duties. You will have undoubtedly heard of the War of Rage, and yes, we partook in that too. We get of Fenris are proud creatures, and we would not tolerate insubordination, trickery, and deceit. And that is what we were met with when the other Pharaoh refused to do as we told them, when they worked their own schemes and plans, and when they conspired behind our back. Oh, I see your eyebrows raising, Chuzonfer. Understand that this is how the vast majority of our tribe justify what we did. We simply did what we had to do, many will say, but not all will believe those words. I am teaching you what is to be expected of you to believe, and I expect you to form your own opinion on the matter. In time. Were the sins of the Pharaoh so grave that they deserve death? Near extinction? Perhaps. Perhaps not. But that is what we gave them. And when the fog of war eased up, our numbers were few, but theirs were much fewer. Those who still live distrust and fear us, as they rightly should, 
Yet their deaths meant a victory of the realm, for as the other changing breeds could not do their duty, it would fall upon us, and we were not always up to the task. After the war of rage, the Garu tribes began to split up and journey out across the lands once more, and Great Fenris brought our tribe back north to the homelands of Sigun. Yet there they found that the Jotun had destroyed her queendom, and in vengeance our tribe wiped the Jotun out utterly, crushing their Utgard and establishing Heimhala, the greatest cairn of the north and the true cairn of war. These lands were not in Scandinavia, but most likely in Russia, although no one knows for sure. Yes, it is becoming increasingly obvious to you, I hope, that our ancestors may have been great scholars as well, but utterly incapable of remembering unimportant details such as where we used to live. However, while Heimhala would stand as a bastion for our tribe for many years, it was eventually destroyed by Odin, or Wotan, an ancient enemy of ours, and the very same god of the Aesir. The fall of Heimhala is not the topic of tonight's lesson, so I will leave that for future storytellers, but you ought to know that Sigun was slain by Odin, sacrificing herself for us. Her children. After Heimala's fall, many of our people traveled west to Scandinavia, and Great Fenris would spend more and more time in the Umbra, hunting the enemy and bringing our mightiest warriors with him. Yet over time we would come to see less and less of our founding father, until one day he was simply gone, yet returning to us in the form of a spirit. And he is now the totem of our tribe, watching over us now and forever. Along the people who journeyed into northern Europe, our people went as well, and we settled along the Baltic Sea, and over time would come to spread throughout large parts of the continent. While we may be considered Norse by other tribes, it is far from the truth. There are Italian, Get, French, English, and Turkish. Our tribe would travel, and likewise would take worthy mates wherever we found them, a tradition kept to this day. Only a small, vocal, and foolish minority of our tribe ever claimed one ethnic origin of the Get of Fendris, and we do not speak of the Sword of Heimdall longer. They brought great shame and discord to our tribe. Now then, it is late, and these bones are aching. We shall resume tomorrow night, where I will tell you our relationship with human history, as complex as it may be, as well as the role we played in the Garu Nation, both the good and the bad of it. Until then, sleep well, choose on fur, and consider what you have been told. The four grandchilder of Cain wait patiently for the time of judgment to arise. Snow, wise beyond his years and powerful in his compassion, 
Bambi Parsons a leader with an unbreakable will. Dr. Sheepington, whose wisdom like the ocean is deep and broad beyond our understanding. And Dugal, whose thirst for blood is matched only by his strength of will. Their Chowler, the Methuselah, control our every move through their timeless jihad. They are Her Satanic Majesty Danny, whose mere presence chills the heart, Maximilian S. Hardcastle, tutor of countless Ventru in the arts of the Jihad, Socrates Johnson, a masterful craftsman of stories, Lauren Eason, a trustworthy ally and friend, the observant and calculative Procyon, the unemployed writer whose words have guided nations, as well as Alexander Kanehurst, inquisitive explorer of the World of Darkness. On the Council of the Primogen are seated Edward Reed, Colin Gifford, 06, Ian Nichols, The Black Friar, Ravenfang, Brad Hardwick, Pilgrim, Ged of Mathrox, and Michelle Light, wise leaders and of good judgment. This week, the Council would also wish to thank the Elder Non-God for continuous proof of loyalty and competence, a testament to our unity. We would also wish to welcome the Ancillae Victor Quiros to our midst. Naturally, all our Elders, Ancillae, and Neonates receive our gratitude from the bottoms of our hearts. Without your support, this would not be possible. And thank you for watching. The full moon rises, and Gaia's warriors strike out into the night. Tremble, servants of the weird.